One or two things before I begin my message this morning, and uh, if you want to take any notes, there are some blanks to fill in in the, um, uh, in the sermon, in, in the pulpit notes this morning, sermon notes. One or two things before we actually begin. Um, <clears throat> uh, you may have noticed that I'm flying solo today, that uh, there's no other ministry staff members here. They all left. <laughs> so... So, uh, <clears throat> Pastor Mark is actually on vacation, and Pastor Pete and uh, uh, David Miles, our Director of Discipleship, um, they are in Denver at a conference, I believe it is the Society of Biblical Literature, so they're listening to all the heavy-duty Bible commentators and new insights and so on into understanding of the Word, and that'll probably filter through to you in the coming weeks and months. So that's where everybody is, so uh, it's just me this morning. Well, I thank Lindsay for helping me with the announcements. Now, uh, one or two things. Um, I think the median age of the congregation today is, is a bit higher, at least in this service, and uh, the reason for that being there is a seminar going on upstairs for um, elementary age children and their parents, so most of our young adults with families are upstairs at the um, gathering. It's to do with technology and children, uh, how, to, how to deal with it and so on. So that's, that's happening. And then there is another session after the second service for parents only, so, or grandparents only, because I'm going to go. Um, and uh, it's, it's to do with the same topic, uh, dealing with, with children and, and how to... Uh, help them limit their access to all the devices they have and how it can be used in a good way. So if you'd like to go to that, you're very welcome. That's um, after the second service. Now, I have been asked to mention to you as well that in between the services this morning, uh, there will be a video of the uh, annual meeting that was held, at least a portion of it, last week between the services. Some of you may not have been able to be at that, it's very interesting. Some youth gave testimony and so on. So it's going to be running uh, between services. I think it only lasts about um, 10 minutes. So if you'd like to watch that, you're very welcome. So glad to have you here today. And uh, speaking to those who may be watching um, on video, thank you for tuning in. And thank you. We ask perhaps you could visit us in the future. We'd love to have you come to a service here in Maple Valley. Uh, we honor Jesus Christ and lift his word up and seek to be obedient servants of it. So we do invite you to come if you can. So I'm, our passage this morning, I'm going to, um, it's from Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to ask Richard Craig uh, if he will come now and read to us. Uh, the microphone is down there in the front. And it's from Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47, and in honor of God's word, if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand. Thank you. The Fellowship of Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property 
and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and please be seated. Now, the message this morning is the last in the series, uh, Less is More. And you may recall in the previous messages, it, they dealt with the six basic issues, if you like, the six basic matters that we're going to emphasize in the ministry of this church in the area of discipleship. And the, they were Bible engagement, obeying Jesus, walk in the Spirit, apply the gospel, unite in worship, and today we have the last one, which is flourish in fellowship. And the scriptures we just had read is where we're going to focus them on the message today, on flourishing in fellowship. Now, <clears throat> I want to uh, tell you about a book this morning. I want to begin with it, and perhaps we have the cover of it um, in the, uh, there, that one there. You probably, uh, most of you may not be aware of this man. His name is J.B. Phillips. And this is a book he wrote, and I had bought it in 1967, and that's 50 years ago. And here is my copy, which is beginning to get a bit dilapidated now. J.B. Phillips, let me tell you a thing or two about him. He was a Church of England vicar of an Anglican church in the East End of London during the Second World War. And there were lots of young people in this church, and he was, in the course of the gatherings that they had, he wanted to teach them, teach them things from the Bible. But he found that the Bible, the authorized version, as, as British people refer to it, um, the King James Version, you call it here, uh, it's actually the authorized version of King James's authorized version. But we take the King James here, and the Brits take the authorized version. But anyway, they couldn't understand it. It was Shakespearean English, very flowery, wonderful in many ways, but they couldn't understand it. So what he did was he translated it into a more popular idiom that they, they would understand. And uh, the first one that he wrote was the letters to young churches. And C.S. Lewis came across this, and he encouraged him to do the whole New Testament, which he eventually did in his life. But the young church in action is his translation of the book of Acts, the young church in action. And he made a comment from the very, in the very beginning of that book, which I've never forgotten, and I want to read it to you today. We cannot help feeling disturbed as well as moved, for surely this is the church as it was meant to be. That is the church in Acts. It is vigorous and flexible, for these are the days before it ever became fat, short of breath through prosperity, or muscle-bound by over-organization. 
Now, isn't that a great comment? Let me read that to you again. I've never forgotten it. This is the church as it ought to be. It is vigorous and flexible, for these are the days before it ever became fat, short of breath through prosperity, or muscle-bound by over-organization. What a wonderful uh, comment on the New Testament church and our churches today that kind of can be at times muscle-bound by over-organization, uh, short of breath, and suffering from prosperity. A great comment. Now, J.B. Phillips has receded in, in recent years, and Eugene Peterson, with his paraphrase called The Message, has really become the very popular one. But I've never forgotten J.B. Phillips. So what sort of a church was the early church? The church in the book of Acts. And I think uh, it was a church with uh, four emphases, and I'm only going to focus today on the very last one. And you'll find this in your notes. It was first of all, if you look in the passage and the notes in your um, uh, bulletin, and we, we apologize that the screens aren't up. We were waiting for a part to repair the screens. And um, of course, we usually have one up, upstairs there that I can look at, but uh, it's not there either. So this is the only one we have. Um, this is a comment about uh, this early church. In this passage, we have the state of the church in its earliest days in Jerusalem. The believers were distinguished by their devotion to the apostolic teaching, to fellowship with one another, to breaking of bread. Is there another slide? No. Breaking of bread and prayer. Thank you. Okay, so what sort of a church was it? Well, it was a learning church. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching because the apostles were the ones in whom the Spirit of God dwelt and they shared the teaching with these early believers, these early Jewish believers, teaching them as followers of Christ. And um, what happened over the years as the apostles died, of course, their, their teachings became writings and it became our New Testament as we know it today. So first of all, it was a learning church. And I guess in the discipleship emphases that we've gone through here, the very first one, Bible engagement, would be the one that covers the learning church. Then too, it was a worshiping church. It says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and prayer. They gathered together for worship, just as we gather together here. Gathering around the Lord's table, praying together, learning from God's word. The third thing is it was an evangelistic church, verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It was a church which had a heart for those who weren't in its body. They wanted to share the good news that the Messiah had come, that Jesus had come, and new life and new hope could be found in him. And then the last one, it was a loving church. Devoted themselves to the fellowship, verses 42 and 44 to 46. 
So you could really say it was a fellowshipping church, a loving church. It flourished in fellowship, and that's what we want to emphasize today. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now, what comes into your mind when you think of fellowship in the church? Cup of coffee and donuts after the service, visiting out in the foyer, an all-church potluck, fellowship. Well, there is a degree of fellowship there, but I'm sure what is meant by fellowship is much more than that. Now, you know, we are hopelessly relational. That is, we, we love to be together. We want to interact with people. We are hopelessly and helplessly relationship, relational. All of us need interpersonal connections. If we don't have them, we will die. And I guess why that's how um, solitary confinement came about. It is such a terrible thing. People who want relationships, who hunger to be connected with other people, are put in solitary confinement as prisoners of war or even as prisoners, punishment for misbehavior in prison. We all need interpersonal connections or else we will die. And I think of John McCain, the, the now deceased senator from Arizona. He and other prisoners in the Hanoi Hilton, as it was known, developed a code of tapping on the, on, on the, on the wall and of connecting with one another because they were all in solitary confinement. What a harrowing experience. And they just hungered and longed for relationships. Now, why is this the case? Why is it that we hunger for relationships with people and of being interconnected? Well, the reason, of course, is that we are made in the image of God. He made us, the account in Genesis chapter 1, we're made in the image of God. And God is intensely and intentionally relational. You see, God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, interconnected, intersupporting, together as one. You see, the Godhead, the Trinity, is relational. And we are made, as Genesis 1 tells us, verse 27, I believe it is, we are made in the image of God. And our relational God has made us relational creatures. We need fellowship. We need to be interconnected. And we need and desire to be in a covenant relationship with others. Now, I think this is a, is a wonderful thing to, to be in the church of Jesus Christ, where you can become connected with other people. It's one thing to be in a large crowd, as we have here. We have, with the two services, between three and 400 people here. It's wonderful to be in a great crowd, inspirational worship, a teaching from the Word. But we need more than that in the body of Christ. We need to love and be loved. We need to hold people accountable and be held accountable. We need to have relationships. We need to be rooted somewhere. And so if you're attending here, we do encourage people in the covenant community here at uh, Maple Valley Church to be in small groups. 
Because in small groups, and we have a, a number of small groups that meet uh, regularly, and we also have service groups, and sometimes they can be a small group experience as well. You see, it's easy to love other Christians when you're sitting here in a large crowd. Um, it's easy. But you learn to love when you're in a small group, when you get connected with people. You learn about them. They learn about you. You share together around the Word of God. You're accountable in some ways to them, and they're accountable to you. You need to have that to really flourish in fellowship. And this church has been based on small groups from its beginning. And so they're very important in the life of this church. And uh, if you're interested, you can check online and uh, let us know, and we can help you find a group. But it's very important if you want to flourish in fellowship to be part of a small group. Now, I want to give you a sidebar here. Um, I want to tell you about another book, a book that was recently published, and it was um, written by a U.S. senator. Now, I'm going to mention his name, but what I'm going to say about him has nothing to do with his political affiliation. It has nothing to do with the way he has voted in the Senate, nothing to do with any of that. He wrote this book. His name is Ben Sass. He's the senator, one of the senators from the state of Nebraska. Now, he's a very bright fellow, very bright. Um, he's a Christian man. He has studied both and graduated from Harvard and Yale. He also spent a year at Oxford University in England, well-educated, very bright. Um, he actually headed, was the president of a university before running for the Senate and becoming a senator. But the book he's written is called Them. Now, full disclosure here, I've not actually read the book. Full disclosure. But I have seen him interviewed twice, one of them on PBS, about this book that he wrote. And I heard him in another interview, and I've read many reviews of the book. But uh, it, it, it's an amazing book. Really, nothing to do with politics, actually. And I want to read you a review of what this book said, because I think it speaks to the situation uh, that we're talking about today of flourishing and fellowship. Something is wrong. We all know it. This is speaking of our society. American life expectancy is declining for a third straight year. Birth rates are dropping. Nearly half of us think the other political party isn't just wrong. They're evil. We're the richest country in history, and we've never been more pessimistic. What is causing this despair? In this, in them, the best-selling author and U.S. Senator Ben Sass argues that, contrary to conventional wisdom, our crisis isn't really about politics. It's that we're so lonely we can't see straight, and it bubbles out as anger. Local communities are collapsing, Across the nation, little leagues are disappearing, rotary clubs are dwindling, and in all likelihood, we don't know the neighbor two doors down. Work isn't what we'd hoped for. 
less certainty, few lifelong co-workers, shallow purpose, stable families and enduring friendships, life fundamental pillars are all in a statistical free fall. As traditional tribes of places evaporate, we rally against common enemies so we can feel part of a team. No institutions command widespread public trust, enabling foreign intelligence agencies to use technology to pick the scabs on our toxic divisions. We're in danger of half of us believing different facts than the other half, and the digital revolution throws gas on the fire. There's a path forward, but reversing our decline requires something radical, a re rediscovering of real places and human-to-human -human relationships. Even as technology nudges us to become rootless, SASH shows how only recovery of rootedness can heal our lonely souls. America wants to be happy, but more urgently, America needs to love your neighbor and connect with your community. Fixing what's wrong with the country depends on it. So there it is. Then, what's wrong with this, and how can I heal? How can I, it be healed? So I say, what a great and glorious time to be the church of Jesus Christ in this situation. Where there are hungry people yearning to be connected, to give up rootlessness, rootlessness, and to be rooted somewhere. What a great and glorious time to be the church of Jesus Christ. What wonderful opportunities we have, wonderful opportunities we have to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And if we are flourishing in fellowship, this is a place that people can be drawn to, where they can find the Savior, where they can find people who will love them and people that they can love, where fellowship flourishes, the gospel is being proclaimed. So we come back to this truth. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the fellowship, flourishing in fellowship. Now, this is a wonderful church. I'm going to give you some kudos here. Um, I was on staff here for 10 years, from uh, 97 to 2007. As some of you know, I had to resign and leave to take care of a family business, and I did that for a number of years. Then my wife and I took a sabbatical and went to another church for four years. It was a wonderful church, a large church. Magnificent preaching. The music was outstanding. And we went there faithfully and endeavored to serve. But one Sunday, and I had been feeling this for a while and I never said anything to Billy Joe. One Sunday, Billy Joe turned to me and said, Let's go back to Maple Valley. Why? Because we missed the people. We missed the connection. We missed the love. And so we came back in August of last year, and voila, look what, look what happened. <laughs> I became the interim and head of staff, and uh, Pastor Pete arrived, and um, after a month or two said to me, Pastor Frank, would you come back on staff? 
I remember my response to him very clearly. I said, well, I honestly think I've gone by my use-by date. <laughs> he said to me, Frank, 80, <clears throat> 80 is the new 60. <laughs> now, I'm not quite 80 yet, but I am knocking on the door. <laughs> but what did we miss? We miss this loving fellowship of God's people. We miss the connectedness here. And this must be treasured and it must be developed. Are we perfect here? Are we perfect individuals? Well, of course not. But we're being perfected. We're on a journey toward perfection, which will have its fulfillment ultimately when we go to be with Jesus. But we must treasure the fellowship here, the connection. They devoted in the early church, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. So much so, it tells us there that some of them sold their homes and pulled everything together. A wonderful thing to do for them. Not everybody did, and as you read in Acts further on, um, that's not the case. But they loved one another and they cared for one another. So be connected to Jesus Christ. Be connected to God's people here. What a great day to be the church of Jesus Christ. There are lonely people out there, very lonely people. And let's pray the Lord will place some of them on our hearts and we'll pray for them and be able to share with them the good news that you can be part of a family that's on a journey, a wonderful journey of growth and of learning. To God be the glory. We must demonstrate to the world the difference that Jesus Christ makes in our personal relationships and in our interpersonal relationships in the church. They won't be perfect, but we'll work at them always to seek to bring glory to God.